Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Next on the OHIO podcast, we review Ohio State's big win over Rutgers, we try to answer what's wrong with Denzel Burke. And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want a coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Barnes, recording live from victorious North Central Ohio, where I am joined by both Aaron Brown. How's it going, Aaron? It's going great, man. And Chris Wilds. How's it going, Chris? Not too bad, Eric. And we have a lot to talk about after yesterday's big win over Rutgers. So let's dive right into it. We're not going to waste any time. Chris, we're going to start with you, man. Your initial reaction of yesterday's 49-10 to 10 win over the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers. Well, I'll tell you, this much I'll say, I thought the running game looked exceptional. Uh, you know, obviously getting out there, Mayan Williams was a beast. Put up, what, 189 yards and five touchdowns. No trouble getting those short yardage touchdowns anymore, Eric. Seems like we've solved that problem. Uh, you know, the passing game looked a little bit off. Uh, we looked a little sluggish. Now, that may be that Stroud didn't get the normal number of attempts that he had as well, uh, obviously with the running game going so well. And when we did have the interception where he was throwing into, what, four guys? That was a little concerning. But, uh, you know, overall, I thought it, w- it was a good game. I really we- – we were sloppy, though. We had some sloppiness, and that they've got to clean that up because that sloppiness isn't going to fly against you know that team up north or a Penn State. It's just not. Um, but you know what? I think we we clean up the sloppiness. It's going to be okay. It's a good win. You know, forty nine ten. That's about all I've got. So Defense is excellent, though. Defense looked good. It was a great day for me, guys. As you know, this was my uh, first opportunity to take my son, who's a freshman in college, to an Ohio State game. He's a 
freshman at Cedarville University, and uh, it was awesome for me, man. And he was, I tell you, it's it's funny to get someone's initial reaction to an Ohio State game. Now he's been to Ohio State game, but it's been in Kinnick Stadium against Iowa, which is where he's lived for the last ten years. And so the, the, to see the shoe, he was like, oh my gosh. He's like, Dad, Kinnick Stadium's about maybe half of this is what it feels like, <laughs> you know. And then he's and then he was in awe of the band. He was like to to watch Script Ohio. He said was just breathtaking to him. That was really cool to watch him watch that. And uh, he was it was really exciting game. He got fired up. And here's what's funny, guys. He called that fake punt before it happened. He goes, Dad, we're gonna fake it. I go, No, we're not. He goes, No, we're gonna fake it. Watch. And then it happened. And then we had a fight. And so that was pretty exciting. No one sat down after that, by the way, in a sleepy game where it was Rutgers and the fans weren't really into it. When that happened, those who remained around were ready to fight, dude. It was pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah, I'll take it. 49-10 win. Aaron, your thoughts, man? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, Mayan Williams looked amazing. The offensive line looked really good. Um, I was I was kind of disappointed. It seemed like uh, at the beginning of the game, like everybody was just kind of sleepwalking. So I don't know if it was the time. You know, we're not used to playing at 3.30 Eastern. Um, I don't know if it's because it was Rutgers, you know, I, I don't know what the issue was, what the malfunction was there. Um, but you're, but Chris is right. And, and so are you, Eric, the, uh, you know, CJ didn't look like himself throwing the ball into triple coverage. Like when, why, <laughs> why would you do that? Why would you force a pass against Rutgers of all teams like that? It, it, especially with the score, the way it was like, it just felt unnecessary, but um, how about Steel Chambers, anybody? He looked amazing. He was all over the place. Um, Eichenberg, you know, he had a quiet day, but he still ended up with nine tackles. Uh, Ronnie Hickman, we haven't said his name too often this year. He had six, you know, and I'm not going to go too deep into this, but, um, you know, Kate Stover wasn't as much of the plan as I thought he would be, but I'm okay with that, man. You know, the, after some of the licks he took last week, uh, I think he kind of needed <laughs> needed a little break there. But uh, overall, I was I was impressed, and uh, the, the final score is what matters. And, uh, you know, this week, guys, in my psychology class, we're talking about the theories of Carl Jung. And ironically, we're talking about, like, the shadow archetype. So basically, like, think of, like, Bruce Wayne and then Batman. I kind of uh, I, I kind of sensed a little Stone Cold Steve Austin there in Ryan Day. I thought I thought something was I thought yeah. it was about to go down. I was like, man, Urban Meyer. I told I told my wife Heather. I was like, so here we go. Urban Meyer is not the only one that can dish out a Stone Cold stunner at the 50 yard line. You're about to see Greg Schiano catch it on the chin, son. Like I I thought it was for real about to open that can of whoop ass there, didn't he? Dude, I thought it was about to go down. Like I stood up, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like this before." Like, you know, you seen the the footage of like Woody Hayes clocking Charlie Bowman, but like, <laughs> yeah, not in today's world. But like, that was like, this is cool in a sort of fun way. <laughs> but yeah, that that's my initial reaction. <laughs> All right, let's go to the Buckeye report card against Rutgers, shall we? Let's start with the offense first. Uh, offensively yesterday, we had 161 passing yards. So, uh, so it was our lowest passing outpoint uh, outpoint of the season, output of the season, easy enough for me to say. Rushing yards, 252. Again, 189 of those were from Mayan Williams on 21 carries. Uh, that's a nine-yard average for Williams. Five touchdowns, which is a team a record-setting day for him. He ties, um, let's see if I can remember this right, Pete Johnson, Pete Johnson from 1974 against North Carolina, which I believe was also Archie Griffin's first game. And uh, he then also tied, um, don't tell me, don't tell me, he ran out of his shoe, gosh darn it, Keith Byers yep. in 1984, and that was against Illinois, the game where he did run out of his shoe. So, Mayan Williams and some rare company right there with those two with those five touchdowns. 
That was a total of 413 yards. That's seven yards per play, which is pretty much what we're averaging this year, which is amazing. 24 first downs, third down efficiency, 50% at 5 of 10, a little lower than where we've been. Time of possession, also a little lower, 26 minutes and 55 seconds. And we did have the two turnovers, uh, which, you know, one was the bad throw of C.J. Stroud that you guys both mentioned. And then, of course, the the botched uh, kick uh, punt at the beginning of the game, which set up uh, Rutgers' lone touchdown, which I, I'm sorry, I don't put that on the defense, guys. Uh, that that was hand, hand just hand-delivered to them. So. Offensive letter grade, Aaron, we'll start with you first since you went last. What are you giving the offense this week? Well, due to the third down efficiency uh, and the lack of, of passing yards, you know, I kind of thought we would be up around the 300 range. Um, I can't get mad at 24 first downs. You know, we were 100% on fourth down, um, but we did have some penalties. The, you know, the interception, I'm going to go with a B plus this week. Fair enough, Chris. Yeah, I also had a B plus, and like Aaron, same thing. The sloppiness uh, needs to get cleaned up, and you know, CJ didn't come out there and perform like a Heisman winner. Uh, you know, so I dinged him a little bit for the offense, but you can't be mad about 189 yards by Mayan Williams. So the offense did a little something right there. Ding, 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 which is why I'm giving him an A minus, man. When you have a record-setting day like that, and again. I, I don't know how many times I was yelling down to Ryan from D-Deck, hand him the ball. I know you're trying to pad those stats for the Heisman purposes with CJ, which is I think he, why he threw that bad ball, a little bit frustrated. But when you were handing Mayan Williams the ball, they absolutely could not stop him, especially when they're dropping eight guys in coverage. They're just daring you to run the football. So do it. Run the ball. Gosh, dang it. A minus for me. Defense. Let's go over to that side of the ball now. Uh, they gave up only 80 yards passing yesterday. This is not a uh, Rutgers is not a very good offensive team. 107 rushing yards. That's a total of 187 yards. Total 187 yards. Defense looked great. Yards per play allowed only 3.3. First downs allowed only 12. Half of what the Buckeyes got. Third down efficiency. You ready for this, man? One of 11 on third down. Gosh, they get off the field on third down, don't they? Something we absolutely struggled at last year. We are doing a heck of a job this year. Time of possession, 33.05. Rutgers really tried to uh, uh, limit our possessions by running the clock down every time they were huddling, which was you know something you don't see a whole lot. But we did create two turnovers, uh, including a fumble recovery and an INT. So, Defensive letter grade, since I went last, I'll go first here. I'm going to go A-minus this week, guys, on the on the defense. I thought it was a really good defense. Again, I think they're probably A or A-plus with that, unless there's that botched fumble on the, on the, um, on the uh, punt. Again, I just – I know I don't want to hang it on the defense, but you did give up seven to Rutgers, man. I mean, so there's that. A-minus. Chris, what do you got? Yeah, Eric, I'm with an A-minus as well, you know. Um, something else they did great. You know, they did have six tackles for loss, but we only got one sack. Um, but like you said, we did get the turnover, so uh, – and they were solid. Uh, I went A-minus as well. Aaron? Make it three. And there, my reason's a little bit different. You know, Steel Chambers had the interception, right? And then at some point after the game, he said he felt bad about it. Dude, what? You got your foot on their throat. Crush it. Don't yeah, – What? <laughs> I thought we were all playing hardcore up in here, but I, I guess there's a little softness after all. But okay, but yeah, I, I a minus feels right. Um, I don't know. I didn't really see them do anything wrong, other than I was still, you know, Dis Denzel Burke changed his number. I don't know if you guys caught that. Yeah, he changed his but, number because I think he got tired of people uh, dishing on him. But dude, it don't matter what number you're wearing; you're getting your toast every time, man. And that's literally, what I literally and, teams should find where he's at on the field and just throw it his way. I'm serious. and that's and that's what I'm getting at, dude. You can change your number, but if you change if your if your play doesn't change, what's what does it matter? What's the play? like? What yeah? What what's that all about? It was like it's like changing your lucky socks? Like these ones aren't lucky anymore, <laughs> so we're just gonna change numbers, I guess. I I don't know. I just I don't know what's going on with him. I really don't. Wish I was in the locker room to find I, out. I feel like there's got to be an injury there somewhere. I don't. I think it's between the ears, man. I'll I do you, too. I'll tell you, Chris. What I noticed this yesterday. He's playing ten to fifteen yards off the ball every time. Yeah. 
our other co- corner is playing press coverage. He's like up on the guy. He's got, he's fearless. He is apt and he gets turned around. They make one move and he bites on it every time. He's so afraid he's getting burnt. It's between the ears, man. It really is. Well, he may have something going on at home. You know what I mean? Who knows? That is a, that is a very good possibility. But, but Aaron, and you play defensive back, so let me ask you. Uh, let's say you're nursing a leg injury. Would you not play a little bit further off the ball? I mean, yes. Yeah, you're right. But Making I don't a know. I, turn and make a... No, you're you're right. That is that is a way to deal with it. But it's it's also like if you're that hurt, you probably should playing. Correct. Yeah, because you're just inviting to get picked on the whole time because they can see that you're not moving right. You're not moving like you usually do. If you're playing off that, that just that invites to be attacked. So, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's a physical injury or what, but there's clearly something going on here because you don't you don't take that many steps backward. You know what I mean? He played so well last year. Right. And now look at him. I, I, you know, he's not turning his head toward the ball. He's just no. jumping into guys like what? it's like he just forgot how to play corner. I don't understand it. Yeah, it's bad. Right now, that's that is the weak link on this team. It, it really is. On the, and, and we thought it was our strength coming in. It, we did, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we were like, ah, oh, there we go. He's solid. He started as a freshman. He was a freshman, all Big Ten player, freshman, all American, you know, lockdown corner. There you go. That's the one place we 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 get we know we're going to be good. Not so, man. He's well. He has regressed. You know who does look good though is J- is Jacqueline John J.K. Uh, yes. Johnson. I the thought that the yeah the last couple of games he has been all over his guy. Like I would play him over Denzel Burke at this point. Yeah, that that kid is playing play. so well. When Cam comes back, what happens then? Do you think Denzel? That's a little Cam Martinez. Cam Brown. Uh, Oh, Cam Brown. Okay, yeah, I he should definitely be playing because he's never really given us a a, a reason to not play him. He's always been pretty solid, pretty consistent. Right, right. But he's consistent when he does play. So sometimes I wonder if the side of the field matters, too. So, I mean, that's what do you mean? Like so Cam Brown always always plays like the the left side of the defense. Whether it's strong or weak, it doesn't matter. He's always on the left side. It seems like Denzel Denzel Burke, on the other hand, he is floating around I, 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 from either you know slot or on the outside. So, so here, well, here's something that I fail to kind of recognize, which I usually do is is are they sticking Denzel Burke or Cam Brown on the on their best receiver? Well, it started the season off with Denzel, and it it was yesterday as well. Okay, so. That's probably why he's floating around because he's just following wherever the best receiver happens to be. All right. Well, I mean, it's something to keep our eye on um, moving yep. forward because this is obviously something that they need to work on. So, and, and the coaches know that. If we know that, you can guarantee they know that. For sure. Let's hand out some Buckeye Leafs, guys. And this is this. I think this might be the easiest week we've ever had. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty, yeah. Yep. Pretty, pretty hands down easy. Offensive player of the game, Aaron. Go for Mayan it. Williams. I don't think I really need to talk about it. <laughs> if you if your eyes were on the game, you know exactly why. Give him two, Chris. Make it three. Give him three. Yep. Defensive player of the game, Chris. Uh, I'll tell you what. I, th- I think you got to go with the guy who had double digit tackles, two for loss and an interception. Give me steel chambers. Make it two, Aaron. Make it three. <laughs> I told you this was going to be easy. I mean, if you had eyes, this is pretty pretty self-explanatory. All right, Aaron, the offensive play of the game. Okay, well, give Mayan Williams another one. I, I really liked the uh, the 70-yard uh, touchdown run. You know, the, the line did a nice job of, of basically parting the defense like the Red Sea, and he broke a couple arm tackles uh, on his way through the hole, and he just shot through it. 70 yards. Make it two, Chris. Make it three. Although he did look like he was starting to run out of gas there at the end. Ah, he was all right. He he but, did, but then he pulled away in the last 10, last yeah, 10 15 yeah, I'll yards. I'll tell you what, did. give him three, absolutely. Yeah, he did. All right, defensive player hit of the game. I'll go first here. Uh, I'm going to go with the Steel Chambers interception, which means Zach Harrison's going to get one too because he's the one who tipped the ball. So, Zach Harrison tipped to Steel Chambers for the INT is my defensive play of the game. Chris? I'll tell you what. I went with a hit, and, and it, I thought it was good. It was an offensive player that made the hit. 
How about Marvin Harrison Jr. nailing <laughs> the ball? That was nice. That was gorgeous. I loved it. I, I'm going with that as my my hit of the game. Fair enough. Fair enough, Chris. Or uh, sorry, Aaron. Yeah, I, I like Chris's, but uh, <laughs> I'm gonna keep on the defensive side. I'm with you, Eric. I the the Zach Harrison tip and the Steel Chambers interception. Very good. That was pretty easy, guys. That was uh, like we said. Other than the Marvin Harrison hit, Chris, thank you for keeping it uh, keeping it real, so it wasn't a clean sweep all the way across. But I figured it was going to be pretty easy there. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We come back. We got some fantastic uh, listener questions and a very interesting Facebook poll question. I think we might have some debate about. So uh, hang tight. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back. So, Eric, you talked about our poll question uh, before the break, and it, it was a good one, and I'll tell you, Maybe a surprising win uh, as far as the uh, responses go. So our poll question was, has Brian Williams done enough in your mind to be the clear number one option at running back moving forward? So obviously this is a yes or no. Eric, before I give you the response, what do you think? Um, so – Let's before I tell you what I what I um, voted for here. Let's talk a little bit about some history, shall we? Mayan Williams was a three star afterthought recruit from the 2020 class out of Cincinnati. He was a um, Iowa State commit, and when we di- and then when we did not get Bijan Robinson or Knightley, I can't remember his first name. He ended up going to Miami, I think it was. Um, and of course, Robinson went to Texas. We circled back on Mayan Williams, who was committed to Iowa State, and we were able to flip his commit over to Ohio State. So he was kind of an afterthought and one of the lower ranked guys in the class of 2020. Now, you all know about Travion Henderson. Dude was a five star, number one running back in the class of 2021. He did not play his senior year of high school in 2020 uh, because that was the COVID year. And they were going to play spring in, uh, I think it was Virginia is where he's from. Yes. They were going to play spring ball in Virginia because they didn't play in the fall. And he declined that and he wanted to come to Ohio State early, of course, to get ready as a freshman. So he skipped a year of football in 2020. And then burst onto the scene last year against Tulsa in 2021. Of course, he had the big swing pass against Minnesota in his very first game. We saw all the flash, all the speed. But ever since then, I just feel like Mayan Williams, when he runs the football, runs the football with more purpose than Travion Henderson does. I think Henderson is looking for the home run where Mayan Williams is literally looking for someone to run over. And if if he if you're not if like if you're not in his way, I feel like he almost turns direction to find somebody to go hit because the dude loves violence. He is a violent runner. He every time he gets a chance to run the football, something good happens. He never goes down on the first contact. It feels like Um, he's got some wiggle. He's got power. He's got a little bit of speed we saw yesterday. And now he's 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 really got me questioning if he shouldn't be the number one running back running for going forward and Travion Henderson supplements him as, as opposed to vice versa, which is what we've seen. So I voted. Yes. Let's see what it looks like. Let's give him the rock and see if he can run with it, pun intended, and uh, see if he can, can kind of uh, either motivate Henderson to up his game, or maybe this looks better. Maybe Henderson comes in after a few carries from Mayan Williams or a few drives and he loosens them up and then Henderson can start to hit some of those big home run, home run runs that we're used to seeing from the start of his career. So I went with yes. Aaron, your thoughts? 
I kind of liked the way that Eric put that on the back end of his comment, you know, uh, kind of use Williams to start the game and, and wear down the, the front seven or front six, depending on what defense we're looking at that week, and then let Henderson come in and hit the home run a few times, you know. Um, I, I'm in favor of, of going with the hot hand because right now we can't go wrong. Both of those guys can absolutely get it done. So um, I have no problem with them splitting carries. I don't care what that looks like. Um, if you want to start off with Henderson uh, and then finish off by pounding them with, with, with Williams or vice versa, um, I'm in favor of that. Uh, because like I said, I just feel like both of those guys can get it done. I don't feel like it's really uh, conducive to like great offensive production to just have one of those guys out there considering what they both are capable of. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily who's number one. I think we've basically got a one and one A. Uh, so for me, my thought was, and I was actually talking to my uncle last night who was a you know, football coach for probably four decades in this state. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was, you know, just, he had mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, Mayan Williams, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field, but this is also the thought, you know, we're, we're playing for national championship year this year is our hope. You know, we've got these two great running backs and we're going to have a very fresh Henderson at the end of the year you know, a somewhat fresh Mayan Williams, although as Eric said, he he's brutal. So, you know, his body, he's, he's given a beating, but he's taken one too. Um, so, you know, I'm not opposed to, to Mayan Williams, though, getting the number one, you know, the starting gig. And, and as Eric said, wearing people down. Well, I'll tell you guys what. The listeners agree overwhelmingly uh, that Mayan Williams has done enough to be a number one option at running back. 91% of the people uh, out of our 35 voters, 91% of uh, 32 votes were in favor of Mayan Williams staying in that starting role. So it so, sounds like they agree with you, Eric. Yeah, and you know, I'm not I'm not surprised, Chris. I mean, yeah, nor am I. If you watch these games, there's been times where Henderson is not that he's not that he's bad or he's, you know, keeping holding the, the offense back. I mean, he definitely is electric. He's an electric running back, but you can just tell when Williams has the football in his hands, he it's not. I don't know that he has more of a desire than Henderson. I just think he has a different mentality. He's a different a kind different of runner style. Yeah, it's a different running runner. I, I mean, it fits better with this offense. I feel like you got you've got this spread out, high flying, kind of a finesse. As and, and and I know people are going to be mad with what I'm going to say, but not a soft offense, but it's it's a um, finesse. It's, it's a finesse offense. It's a it's a rhythm offense. And then all of a sudden, if you can flip the switch and the offensive line gets nasty, and you hand it off to a nasty running back. As a def- as a defensive unit, that's hard to go from. Okay, we got to be aware that they're going to spread us out. They're going to try to hit us deep. We got to watch the crossing routes. To oh my gosh, they're running it down our throat. You know what I mean? Like that's that is a big change defensively to try to switch your mind and the style, right, Aaron? I mean, you don't just go from hey, we got to defend sideline to sideline to they're going to run it down my throat now, and they're pulling they're pulling a tackle. Who's six eight, three hundred and sixty three pounds running at a linebacker? Yeah, it's it's that it's hard to adjust for that because a lot of teams are what I would consider one dimensional, and that's you know that's the difference between good and great. A lot of teams can execute uh, well one dimensionally and win ten. 11 games, sometimes they can win 12, you know, but when you're multidimensional, you have the passing attack that we do. Then you have a finesse runner and Henderson, and then you have a bowling ball that's just going to beat you to death like Mayan Williams. What can you do with that? You you don't know what's going to happen, and it's not like Mayan Williams can't catch either because he's a threat out of the backfield as well, uh, passing. So, I mean, you, I mean, you're just getting punched in the in the mouth 
every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So I mean, it was Brian Williams who caught that that comebacker against uh, Wisconsin where he's twinkle toes yeah, on the side. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a tough catch. So you mean to tell me he can't do a little work with a screen? Oh, shoot. Yeah. You see, I'll tell you, watching Mayan <laughs> Williams run, I'm, I'm going to go a little old school here. The way he runs and as violently as he runs, reminds me of Earl Campbell, man. Whew. You know, back in the, with the old Houston Oilers. And then it, it would be like you were talking about the finesse offense. It'd be like if you had Warren, Warren Moon's Houston Oilers, but put, you know, Earl Campbell in the backfield with him. You know, it's just, it would be a thing of beauty to watch. You just uh, so, lost yeah, I mean, 75% just, of our so audience good. with that one, Chris. What's that? <laughs> I said, I think we just lost 75% of our audience with that one. Earl Campbell and Warren Moon. <laughs> like, <laughs> woo, okay, that's well, taking I'm her not, way I'm back, not brother. As as you kids, all right? <laughs> if you don't know who the Tyler Rose is, I don't want you listening anyway. And if I ever there see you, you <laughs> it's probably a Stone Cold Stunner coming your way. <laughs> Come on now. Oh, shoot. Old school football, baby. Look it up on YouTube, kids. It was uh, it was a violent sport before they uh, uh, brought a bunch of yellow flags and threw them for uh, targeting, um, which, you know, it, it is what it is, guys. We're not going to get into that debate. That's a whole another show for the offseason. But I just I, I love what we're doing here. I think it's, you know, it, you know, it's one of those things. Yesterday, guys, they were dropping Shiano. Shiano was dropping eight guys in coverage defending defensively all game. He was daring us to run the football. He was daring Ryan Day to go against what he ten- his tendency was and run the football. And when he did, great things happened. If this is what we're going to see defenses try to do to stop us, drop seven, eight guys in coverage and just dare us to throw the f- to run the football. Yes or no, Chris? Can Ryan Day do it? Well, absolutely. I think we saw that yesterday. You know, CJ's attempts were down quite a bit. Uh, you know, he, he went with what was working. And I think what this was, was Shiano saying, you might put up 50, but you're not going to put 70 up on me. That that was his way, you know, dropping eight into coverage was his way of, you know, slowing the game down. The only thing was he wasn't counting on Mayan Williams busting off 70, you know, 70 yard touchdown runs. Facts. That's right. Good one. All right, man. That's a good good Facebook uh, Facebook poll question, Chris. Aaron, we got questions, right? We do, and it is the usual group of our some of our favorite listeners. So, starting off this week, we're gonna we're gonna go with Jeff DeBrosi, and he says, <laughs> <laughs> "This is a good one. I liked how he started this off." Uh, I'm going to pull an Aaron and give you two questions. So the first one I'm going to give to you, Chris, and the second one I will give to Eric. So first one here for you, Chris. Uh, He says, in your guys' opinion, do you think Williams has established himself as the lead back, which I know we just had a whole conversation about, so we'll just keep it short. Chris, what do you think? Uh, Again, Aaron, I think we've got one and one A. Um I think that at least right now, you ride the hot hand, you go with Williams. I mean, come on, 189 yards, five touchdowns. I understand it's Rutgers, but that's still a day. Yeah, it is. You know, out there, 20, 21 carries. So, uh, and, and I'm trying to, to do the math in my head right now. That's. Uh, I thought I smelled smoke. Carry, just shy of it. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think he's definitely done enough to establish or have earned the right to at least get another opportunity to be the number one out there. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. Uh, Eric, the second part of this question for you is how scary is this offense now with uh, Fleming as a third option who has the ability to gash opposing defenses? So Julian Fleming had four receptions yesterday, which was tied with Emeka Buka for the, the team lead. 51 receiving yards and a touchdown. Julian Fleming, when he's healthy, is awesome. And here's the thing about Julian Fleming. I think he's the most physical wide receiver we have on the team. Emeka Ibuka and and, uh, and when he plays, Jackson Smith and the Jigba, when he gets to play, are both kind of like finesse guys. Marvin Harrison Jr. is just an athletic freak. 
Kate Stover is, of course, you know, the farm boy who wants to hit you in the mouth as well. Julian Fleming is kind of that tweener between Kate Stover and and the other guys. And so he's I think he's able a little bit to do some of the dirty work that they're not going to do. But when you watch us run, Julian Fleming is blocking his guy is is the cornerback or safety 10, 15 yards down the field, sometimes blocking right out of bounds. He is really, really good at that. He is extremely physical. So in the running attack, when we run the football, it's it's almost we need to have him out there just for blocking purposes. And then because of his physicality, I think he's able to get off defenders like maybe even a little bit better than Marvin Harrison Jr. is. And and Emeka is just using a tremendous amount of athletic ability to do that. But Julian Fleming's just being his, his his upper body strength is incredible. And so, yeah, it's pretty scary. And I, I've watched a lot of college football this year, not as much as I have in the past, just because I've gone to a lot more games so far this year than I have in the past. But I'll say this. I don't know of another offense in college football that's better than Ohio State right now. Period. I'll go with that. Yeah, it's uh, I think Fleming is definitely when he's healthy. Uh, he is hell on wheels. Uh, he, you know, and, and, and just to uh, give an example of why wide receiver blocking is so important. OK, 85 yards through the heart of the South. You guys know that play. Anybody that's a Buckeye fan should know that play from the championship with uh, Zeke Elliott and those guys. Yeah. If he does not block, that play is not in our vocabulary. Evan. We don't know what that is. So, yeah, Evan Spencer, that's that's a prime example. And all those long runs from from J.K. Dobbins over the last few years. And, and, and you know what I mean? Those don't happen unless the wide receivers are blocking downfield and maintaining those blocks. So if you think that wide receivers are just out there to catch passes and look pretty, you're wrong. At least not the good ones. I'll say that. Uh, so. Moving on to the next question from Eric Osbeck. Um, Chris, I'll give you this one. Uh, I think it says here, no questions about Ohio State. I think we are a pretty solid team. His question this week is about that team up north. This is the second week in a row that they have looked average and put up average points against teams they should have blown out. Are they a paper tiger? Good question. You, you know, I think that their running game is fairly legit. I think they have a quarterback issue. I And don't get me wrong. I think this kid is going to be good ultimately. Is he going to be great? I don't know, but I think he's going to be good. Uh, but you know what? I think they, they are still struggling a little bit at the quarterback position with him. And defensively, this is not the team they had last year. So I, I don't know if I'd call them a paper champion. What I would say is they're going to have to work a lot harder than they did last year if they want to come to the shoe and give us a game. Yeah, I agree. I, I watched, you know, the, the old saying, you know, you, you keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Well, I tend to watch that team up north just about every week. I didn't really care for Colorado State, UConn, Hawaii, but the last couple of weeks I've been watching them and they're kind of uh, like pulling these games out um, at the I don't want to say the last minute because that's not actually that's not accurate. But that's they're cool. they're having to figure this out on the fly um, pretty much weekly, like against Maryland, against, you know, Iowa. They did not. I understand it was in Iowa, but like that's still, you know what I mean? Iowa has one of the worst offenses in college football right now. And I, I know that doesn't speak too much on the defense. Their defense is, is decent, but like, come on, guys. You know, they, it's that team up north claims to be explosive and their big claim to fame through the first three weeks was 50 points every week. No one else did that. And, uh, well, they got some competition and you see the difference now. Uh, that's what I'll, I'll leave that at. Uh, this question here from Brian Lee Oberst. Um, I think that I'm going to try to answer this one. He says Williams is starting to look like he wants to be the best running back in college football. If he keeps this up, could he be the best running back in football? Um, and then he goes on to ask two more questions. Um, well, first, let me answer that one. 
Again, we've kind of touched on it, but uh, I don't know that he can be the best, like the number one, but I do think that right now he is top five, and I think Travion Henderson is also top five. So that I'm just going to keep it simple given the, the prior discussion. I think he's top five in college football right now. Uh, the second question, um, I'll let all of us kind of chime in on this one. Do you think Day called the fake punt or the punter did it on his own? Did Greg Schiano, in your opinion, overreact and had the right or did he have the right to be upset? Eric, go ahead and you no, start that, that one off. That was not a, that was not called by Ryan Day. That was the punter who is tr- who has been schooled to, hey, if the running lane's open on the right hand side because he's an Australian punter. Right. So he moves himself to the right, kind of runs that way and then runs into the punt. If you run that direction and there's nobody there and you can run, go. That's what they're schooled to do. That's the way, that's how they are coached to play. And so he he was just being an athlete. He was just taking what he's been coached and looking at the situation, and he went with it. There was no intent there to rub it in Rucker's face. He was just being a, a player, saw the lane, and took it. Ryan Day didn't tell him to do that. Now, as far as Greg Schiano's concerned, I I don't think Shiano overreacted. I think Shiano ran across the field to keep the pl- his players from starting as a, a melee. You know, start you know, get out of here. Let's not do this. But when he got over there, I think tempers between he and Ryan Day got the best of them. Now, they're they're both Aaron. They've both already said, "Hey, we're there's nothing wrong. We're good friends and everything." The way things ended for Shiano when Ryan Day took over, we all we don't know all of those things, okay? I think there's been a little bit of blood between these guys from when Shiano left Ohio State. Because let's go back to 2020 when they came to the shoe two years ago. Do you all recall what Greg Shiano did that day? No. Everything possible. It was every trick play, fake punt, Onside kick, you name it, he he played back alley ball to try to keep in that game, right? Last year, he did similar things. This year, after going up 7-0, what'd he do? Onside kick. Now, Ryan Day, you know, as a coach, when, when a team's playing like that with trick plays left and right and everything, it's your job to defend that. I get it. You know, I understand that. But Ryan Day's probably thinking, okay— so we faked one punt, and you're and you're pissed off, really? So I think there might have been a little bit of like, you know, competitive nature between these two guys, and that came out a little bit, Aaron. Well, let okay. So let me comment on that real quick before I let you chime in, Chris. Um, so what you saw is exactly why you don't do what Greg Schiano did. Okay. Like we can, we can say that like, yeah, he went over there to keep his players from, from fighting, but there was only 11 over there. Okay. There's, there's a whole, there's like 70 other guys on the other sideline that were ready to run over to the right thing to do in that situation. Guys was for him to stay on his sideline and keep those guys calm and let the officials work it out. Okay, because when he ran over there, it got markedly worse because next thing you know, he runs over there. It looks like he's about to attack uh, Ryan Day. They got fingers in each other's faces. They're yelling at each other and they both get flagged. That could have all been avoided um, because honestly, I didn't see Greg Schiano grab one guy to pull him away. I don't I don't know. Maybe they didn't show it on camera, but I didn't really see him getting between players at all. I, I just seen him jet over there. And within seconds, him and Ryan Day are jawing. So that's why as a head coach, you have to remain professional. You got to stay on your side of the field, man. Like I you know, if it was it was just a crummy situation all the way around. Honestly, it's you know, it was unfortunate because the punter was just doing what he was coached. That is true. Um but uh, Aaron Krukshank did not have to hit him like that. That was just completely uncalled for. Um, both things were kind of crappy. Uh, the punter should have just kicked it, but he, at the end of the day, he did what he was coached to do. Um, but Krukshank knows better. No matter what, you don't hit a guy that that far out of bounds. Like, why? You know what I mean? That was that was just crap. Um, but th- that's yeah, that, that's that's just kind of how, from my view, 
I think that's why Shiano should have stayed over there. Um, competitively, I think he did have a reason to be upset because when Ohio State's up by 39 points, you know, I, maybe Coach Day should have been like, hey, just just make sure that you punt it. There's no need to fake it. There's no need to run. So, um, Chris, what do you got to say about the matter? Well, I'm with you, Aaron. You know, as a coach, your job is to de-escalate a situation, not pour gasoline on it. He should have stayed on his side of the field. Uh, and, and he's been doing this long enough to know that. Um, and as far as the hit goes, yeah, that that was just – that was Bush League. And, and, again, Crookshank's been around this game long enough to know he shouldn't have done that. I mean, come on. The guy was what? At the back of the sideline box when he hit him? He was almost out of the white box. You know, that, that was just ridiculous. Um I understand Shiano was fired up. He may have been upset. But again, this guy's been coaching so long, he knows better than to go over there because he knows what's going to happen. It was uncalled for, and yeah, he overreacted. I think there's a couple of things that we're lucky didn't happen. I think, number one, we're lucky Jesse Murko didn't get injured. Secondly, secondly, I think that we're lucky that the rest of his sideline didn't go over there with him. Because that could have been a very ugly day. Yeah, you know we're I mean? lucky that our players stayed under control and didn't start throwing punches. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because if that had been C.J. Stroud, I think the, there would have been way more ejections than just Krukshank. <laughs> yeah, there so. might have been bloodshed, Aaron. Yeah, there there may have been because guys are way, way more protective over the quarterback. So, all right, we got two more questions here, both by Corey Johnson. Uh, So he says, after five games, give our new coaches a letter grade. Eric, I will start with you, and then, Chris, you give us yours. All right, so we want to start at the top with Jim Knowles? Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. A-plus, baby. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know what else (laughs) to tell you, dude. It's so much better than last year. So much better. A-plus. Well, I don't know if he's asking individually for each name, how are they performing, but just I think he's just in general, how are the new coaches, how do they seem to be doing? How would you rate that? Well, it's kind of hard because we have three defensive and one offensive, right? I mean, we've got Jim Knowles, Tim Walton, and Perry Eliano, and then you have Justin Fry. So I I, kind of want to take Justin Fry separately because he's on the other side of the ball as the offensive line coach. Is that fair enough, Aaron? Yeah, yeah. Let's do offense and defense. Sure. All right, so offense, we got Justin Fry. Um, I'm gonna give him an I'm gonna give him an A. I think the offensive line is gelling. I think they're doing very well, especially run blocking. I think they're heck, I, I think they're even doing a better job this year in pass blocking than we saw last year. So I think Justin Fry is a really good coach. Uh him and Ryan Day have a very good uh rapport with one another, good history together. And so I think this has been a great hire for Ohio State. I love what we're getting from our offensive line. And, I and you know, I'm one of those junkies, football junkies, that in the second half when we go to the second string offense, I, I'm like I'm like watching the offensive line. Where the, Who we got in? Who's our backups? How are they doing? I think even they are doing a better job than what we've seen in the past from our backup in the, backups in the offensive line. So I'm going to give Justin Fry an A. All right, Chris, uh, how about you for Justin Fry? Oh, Aaron? Let me just put it this way. Our quote-unquote second-team running back just went off for 189 yards, five touchdowns, and a nine-yard per carry average. Uh, These guys, the run blocking is so tremendously better than it was last year. I mean, you guys remember how much we struggled, especially in the red zone, running the ball last year. We don't have that anymore. Uh, You know, and as Eric said, I think this line is gelling. I think they're keeping – uh, you know, a better pocket in place for CJ. Uh, I, I think that Fry has done a tremendous job. I, I definitely give him an A. Yeah, I agree. I can't go against that at all. They're 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 definitely gelling. They're they're in sync and they are playing way more physical than what we're used to seeing, and that is super good to, good to see, <laughs> uh, given our struggles the last couple of years. But um, okay, Eric, how about the defensive side? Okay, so uh, I think Perry Eliano is doing great with the safeties. I mean, we especially in the defensive backfield, man. Tim Walton and Perry Eliano, 
they have had to deal with injuries nonstop at their their position groups. I know Denzel Burke's having a little bit of a digression, but we I'm super impressed with J.K. Johnson, um, Jalen Brown, um, uh, Cam Brown when he's healthy. I think Tim Walton's doing a great job. I think Perry Eliano's doing a fantastic job with the safeties. And, of course, Jim Knowles, the mastermind. Gosh, look at those linebackers, how well they're playing, guys. And and I, I love the scheme, Aaron. I absolutely love it. I love how we get off on get get off the field on third down. If this defensive line can start to produce a little bit better clip than they have been, that's only going to help those defensive backs a little better because they're not going to have to defend as long. And I, I really think that we are gelling into a national championship caliber defense. And so I'm going to give these guys an A+. Nice, nice. Chris, what, what's your opinion? Yeah, I, again, I kind of you know can't disagree with Eric here. I mean, the defensive backs, especially given all the injury issues they've had back there, I think are performing extraordinarily well. Uh, look at what they've done the last two weeks. I know Wisconsin and, and Rutgers aren't world beaters, but we gave up 100 and, what, 187 yards of offense total to Rutgers, and we kept uh, Graham Mertz under 100 yards passing the previous week, if I remember correctly. Uh, you know, the, the defensive backs are doing great. And, and I'm actually going to mention something you mentioned earlier as far as when we talk about the linebackers, Aaron, and that is the fact of, How often have we called Ronnie Hickman's name this year? This is a guy that had 100 tackles last year. Well, it's because our linebackers, you know, one of them was starting for the first, well, they're both starting for the first time. One of them just came over from being a running back. They've learned that position. They've bought into what Knowles is selling, and they are performing at an extraordinarily high level. And that's why Hickman's not getting 10, 12 sacks or tackles a game, because they're not getting in that deep into the field. I can imagine Hickman's like, He's running the ball, and then out of nowhere comes Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg. He's like, gosh, dang it, you guys. Yeah. Give me one. You, you know he wants to tee <laughs> up and level somebody. He's not getting the chance because our linebackers have just improved that much. And I'll tell you what, you can go even further than that. When you go into our two deep and look at what Chip and, and, and Cody Simon are doing, you know, when they're getting out there, they are performing at a similar level. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I think. It's absolutely an A-plus across the board. Yeah, I mean, even without breaking down the positional groups, you know what I mean? Just looking at the overall performance, you know, no player names, no position groups, like just overall, they are just hitting, and it's it's good. You know, we haven't seen this in a couple years, not since. So uh, Jeff Halfley left, you know, when it was just read and react. They kept it simple. The coaches installed – the schemes, uh, if it needed to be complex, they took all the thinking out. If you see this, react. If you see this, react. We're back to that. Guys are not sitting there thinking. There's an old saying that my high school coach and semi-pro coach said, if you're thinking, you're stinking because your, your reaction is going to be slower. And we saw that a lot last year. So uh, that I think that even even yesterday against Rutgers, they did a nice job because Shiano did some things that – most guys would sit there and be like, oh, uh, you know, it takes time to, to to read and react. They had to think, but they did a nice job adjusting to that and limiting what Rutgers was doing because the trick plays like that's not something you can just react to. So I, I felt like they did a nice job. Uh, the last question for the day. Also, Corey Johnson, uh, what would it take for us to be a top five defense now? Eric? Two things. Number one, the defensive line has got to got to get to the quarterback quicker. Number two, uh, Denzel Burke's got to clean up his act. If he can, if he plays, can somehow find the Denzel Burke of 2021, and this defensive line continues to get better and get to the quarterback, we will be a top five defense. Good deal, Chris. Yeah, I, I agree with Eric because, and I don't know, I haven't got a chance to check yet. I know that coming into this game. Uh, we were ranked 21st in the country in scoring defense. Well, we held these guys below what our average was coming in. Uh, we were ranked 18th in the country in yard uh, yards given up or total overall defense. We kept these guys at lower than where we came in. So I haven't looked at the new rankings, but guys, I think we got to be. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we're in the top 15 this week already. 
Nice. So I, I think that this team is, like Eric said, just a few little tweaks away. And the, the tweaks being cleaning up Denzel Burke's play and the other being the defensive line actually getting home a little bit, getting that quarterback on the ground. Uh, you know, we've seen him come close. You know, close isn't good enough, though, Aaron. We need to see some, to see some of these quarterbacks on the ground. If we do that, this is a top five defense. I agree. I agree with everything you guys both said. We got to get home. We got to get to the quarterback. We got to create some more turnovers. Um, but overall, I think I think we're getting there. I, I'm not sure exactly what our national ranking is, if we're top 15 overall or or what. Um, I know you just said like 21st in scoring defense, but I, I don't know what the overall defense is right now. But I imagine we have to be top 20. But yeah, I think all those things, you know, Denzel Burke cleaning his act up getting to the quarterback and, and just making sure we get those sacks and, and creating the turnovers. I think that's the key here, Corey. Aaron? Yes. I just pulled it up. We are 10th in overall defense right now. There you go. Five more spots, guys. Five more spots. And I think we get there if we do what we, what we just discussed. So, all right, Eric, why don't you take us around a trip for a trip <laughs> around the Big Ten? Well, let's start in uh, Columbus, where Ohio State obviously won 49-10. C.J. Stroud was the leading passer on the day, 13 of 22, 154 yards, a pair of touchdowns. And uh, to add to his Heisman uh, leading campaign, Mayan Williams, 21 carries, 189 yards, and that record-setting five-touchdown performance. Emeka Igbuka was a leading receiver with four catches for 70 yards in that win. Over and in uh, Iowa City, that team up north was victorious 27-14 to over the Hawkeyes. The Iowa passing game actually had their best day of the season. Spencer Petrus was 21 of 31 for 246 yards and a touchdown. However, it wasn't enough. Uh, the Wolverines, led by Blake Corum, who ran the ball 29 times for 133 yards and a score, were able to win 27-14 to in what was a pretty, uh, I guess, boring game to be honest with you outside of the end of the first quarter when they do the wave at Iowa which is still gosh brings tears to my eyes every time guys well done Iowa that is that is an awesome awesome tradition Penn State beat Northwestern barely 17 to 7 that's a terrible performance Kevin what's up man uh, Northwestern's quarterback, and I don't even know his first name, but it's Helinski. Uh, he was 15. Brian Helinski, thank you. 15 of 37 for 210 yards and a score. Uh, that freshman running back that Penn State's got, Singleton. Gosh, the kid's, the kid's good. Uh, however, Northwestern was able to keep him under 100 yards. 21 carries for 87 yards. He did have a score. And then, of course, uh, Penn State's uh, uh, big-time receiver, Washington, had four receptions for 73 yards in the game. So Penn State does not look very good, but they did win 17-7. In a surprise game, Purdue upset what we thought was the best in the West in Minnesota by a score of 20-10. to They jumped out on Minnesota in the first quarter 10-0. Minnesota was able to fight back to make it 10-10. And then Purdue came away in the fourth quarter, catching fire again to win 20 to 10. Uh, the leading passer on the day was Morgan for the uh, Gophers, who was 18 of 33 for 257 yards. However, he threw three interceptions, which was the difference in the game. Purdue was running, uh, led by their uh, running back, Mockaby, or Mock, I think Mockaby is how it's pronounced. 11 carries, 112 yards, and a score. How good was Wisconsin? Well, we didn't think they were very good. That was confirmed yesterday because the Fighting Illini defeated Wisconsin 34 to 10. Wisconsin's trash. Now, I did we did say a couple of weeks ago, actually it was a week ago, that when teams play Ohio State, when they go into their very next game, it is almost always going to be a letdown. Again, happens again. Wisconsin gets crushed by Illinois in a game they honestly shouldn't have lost. And uh, Graham Mertz was 17-32, 206 yards and a score. However, that running back for Illinois, uh, Brown, dude is on fire right now. He, you know, we were talking about some of the best running backs in college football. Illinois has one of them, man. 25 carries, 129 yards and a score. 
to lead the way for fighting Illini. And Brett Bielema goes back into his old old stomping grounds, Madison, and comes away with a 34-10 to win. Uh, Sparty, another team that's not very good this year. They get beat by Maryland 27-13 to Tua's little brother. Uh, he ended up throwing 32 of 41 for 314 yards and a touchdown. And I'll tell you, that was probably a difficult game for him because if you watch the uh, Thursday night game with Cincinnati and Miami to see your older brother go down the way he did in that injury, that had to be pretty scary. So I give um, uh, I give uh, to his brother, which I, what's his first name, Chris? Ty- Talia. Talia. There it is. Talia, I give him all the credit in the world in going out there and having a great game after watching his brother go down Thursday night like he did. Uh, he led uh, uh, the Terps 32-41, 314 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they also had Maryland's running back, Littleton the second, 19 carries, 120 yards and a score. So Michigan State is on, I believe, a three-game losing streak right now as we go to play them up in East Lansing this upcoming Saturday. Uh, Indiana, who was uh, surprising this year, returned to uh, return to reality as they go into Lincoln and Nebraska, who we thought was the worst team in the Big Ten, defeated them 35 to 21. Nebraska's quarterback Thompson was 18 of 27 for 270 yards and, and two touchdowns. And their running back Grant was the leading rusher with 32 carries, 136 yards. Palmer, the leading wide receiver there for Nebraska, eight receptions, 157 yards, and one score. And Nebraska gets their second win of their of the season and first in Big Ten play. So that was the Big Ten around the Big Ten, guys. Uh, I, again, Aaron and I were talking before we recorded. I guess the Big Ten West is just going to be a you never know what's going to happen. And lo and behold, right now, Illinois is tied for first place in the West. Hey, hey Eric. Who would have thunk it? Do you remember a few years ago when Northwestern lost all three of their out-of-conference games and ended up winning the West? I recall that, yes. They lost all three of their conference or out-of-conference games this year, and you know what? They're still tied at one and one for the lead in the West Conference. Yeah, but I, my eyes tell me that Northwestern is not very good. Well, and I would agree with you 100%. I'm just saying it, it clearly is anybody's anybody's game in that West, except for maybe Wisconsin, which is the only 0-2 team in the West. Yeah, Wisconsin's 0-2. Everybody else is 1-1. One one. So it is, it is anybody's game in the West this year. In the East, it's a three-horse race. We all know that. Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. Although, don't sleep on Maryland, even though they're 1-1. One they did lose to uh, to that team up north. I still think Maryland's going to beat Penn State. I, 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 I told you, you know, I told you guys last week. Don't call Penn State a giant yet. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know they they did not look good against Northwestern. Yeah. So there you go, man. It every every week. I'm just telling you straight up. Unless it's the team up north in Ohio State, I feel like anybody in this in this conference can lay an egg. It's just it's not very good. I know Penn State's a, a, a ranked number 11th, I think, right now in the AP. I, they're not. They're not the 11th best, best team in college football. And if they are, God help us. This is a bad year for college football. Silence. <laughs> What's there to say? You know, the West is just it's kind of it's what we said. You know, it's. <laughs> shake it up in a bag and see what happens because uh, it's still wide open. You know, like we have an idea in the East, you know, Ohio State, that team up north, maybe Penn State, maybe Maryland. You know what? But in the West, there? bro, in the West, who, who are you going to you, you're going to sit there and tell me Wisconsin for sure after they just got their butt stretched by Illinois? Like, like, what? you know what I mean? Wisconsin's two and three. They well, Purdue, have a winning record. Dude, Purdue took down Minnesota. We all thought Minnesota was going to be it. Some of us thought Iowa was going to be it. Do you think we've got three coaches in the East who are just licking their chops right now, waiting to see who the sacrificial lamb is? I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing is just crazy to me. We should, Aaron, you know what we should do? Every week we should come up with a new um, description of the West and see how bad it can get. What do you like? How do how do, should we describe it? Well, first off, we called them dumpster juice. So, 
Uh, we've called them trash. We've called them dumpster juice. So I think every week we should come up with a new explanation of what the West is. I mean, it's just always – look, at the end of this, and I mean at the end, I mean like probably next week, it's just going to be one cuss word. <laughs> you, you know which one it is. You know, <laughs> because that <laughs> – We'll go with that. Yeah, poop. Uh, <laughs> but like, I just feel like that's where this is headed because that's what that division is. And I don't, for the life of me, understand how it got so like this. <laughs> you know, let, let me throw this out there. The, the top three scoring defenses in college football all reside in the Big Ten West. Is that a statement of how good the defenses are or how bad the offenses are in that West? Because Illinois is only giving up 8.4 a game, Minnesota 8.8 a game, and Iowa 10 a game. I don't, I don't know either. Until I see them play somebody from the East, I, I really can't, can't say because like the out-of-conference schedule is always so crap. Like, it's hard to tell, but like I, I don't know, you know I I, I produce tough usually, you know, and they gave Penn State all they wanted, um, but then they go and and we think Minnesota looks good, and then they get clapped. So I I really don't know. I'm I'm perplexed. Did, did right. you just say get clapped? I did because that's what happened. So this wow. week's uh, this week's description of the Big Ten West, we'll just call them the Mac. How about that? Uh, you know, that's a little insulting to the Mac, Eric. It, it kind of is. The Mac light. <laughs> Mac light. There you go. The Mac light. Ouch. That's, 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 love it. All right, guys, that's our show for this week. As always, be kind to one another. I have someone's OH. You sing Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, OH, Ohio. Go Bucks. Oh, come, let's sing, oh. Hios praise and songs through Amamaterain while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still. Summer's heat, oh, winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show. How firm thy friendship, Ohio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.